Hello and welcome to episode number 116 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and on today's show, we have a story for you that I was not familiar with that I think needs to be told. I mean, you may have heard this story before. I saw a guy on Twitter of all places post this story yesterday, and I thought it was just fantastic and something that is a feel-good story for an edition of Random Thoughts here being recorded two days before Christmas 2020, one of the worst years in the history of the planet Earth, I believe. And there's been a lot of things under fire in 2020. Right now, the United States government is fighting over a new bailout bill, whatever you want to call it, which has way too much money going to way too many places that make way too little sense. But this isn't about that. This is about the America that is the shining light upon the hill. This is about the America where everybody gets a chance to succeed. Now, that doesn't mean you're guaranteed success because guaranteeing success or guaranteeing everybody is exactly the same and nobody has more than the next. We see what that leads to in communist and socialist countries. It's never been done where the people actually end up being happy with their lot in life. But here in the United States, you have the ability to pursue happiness. You have the ability to make your own way no matter where you came from, no matter what your education level is, no matter what your background is, no matter whether you're an eloquent speaker or whatever. It doesn't matter. You have the opportunity to succeed in the United States of America. And this is a story that epitomizes that, I think, quite well. This is the story of a man named Richard Montanez that was the son of a Mexican immigrant. He grew up in a migrant labor camp in Southern California. He had 10 siblings. They all lived in a one-bedroom apartment for a while before they moved to an 800-square-foot, three-bedroom home. He didn't like going to school because he couldn't speak English. It was an all-white school. He recalled, you know, telling his mother he didn't want to go to school. He had all sorts of issues. And on the first day of third grade, he went to school and his mom had made him lunch, which moms are, you know, want to do. And she gave him a burrito to take. And when he took the burrito out, everybody kind of looked at him funny because they had never seen a burrito. I mean, believe it or not, there was a time before burritos were a staple of American cuisine. And I think they are way more a staple of American cuisine than they are actually Mexican cuisine because it's a very uh, Americanized dish overall from what I understand. But little Richard Montanez didn't like that his lunch was different than all of his classmates. He didn't like standing out. So he went home and he asked his mom, maybe she could change the lunch up moving forward. You know, bologna sandwiches, cupcakes, things like that. But no, Instead of that, his mom sent him the next day to school with two burritos and said, make a friend. By the end of the week, he was selling burritos to his classmates for a quarter apiece. So already 
had that entrepreneurial spirit going. In his memoir, he writes, quote, I learned at that moment that there was something special about being different. And there was a reason that we all just couldn't fit into the same box. I mean, that is absolutely true. That is what the American dream was kind of founded upon. You have a bunch of different people coming. It's the melting pot. Being different is okay. Standing out from the rest is okay. Going your own way is okay. But Richard Montanez ended up dropping out of school soon after. This was, he was in the third grade. He made it through the fourth grade and then decided it was time that he just start working. He hated school. He started working in the fields with his family. He started, uh, he was slaughtering chickens for a while, doing some gardening work. He was working at a car wash. This was in 1976. He was 18 years old. A friend told him that the uh, plant down the street, the Frito-Lay plant, was hiring. So he went down to the plant. He got an application. His wife helped him fill it out because, again, he had very little schooling, was not proficient in English, didn't read or write very well. So his wife helped him fill out the application. He brought it back. He was interviewed and he was hired as the janitor at the Frito Lay plant for $4 an hour. Now, in today's economy, that would be about $18. So this was a pretty good paying job at the time at $4 an hour. Now, he broke the news to his family that this is what he was going to be doing. And he's recalled that his grandfather imparted some advice that would stick with him until now, which is make sure that floor shines and let them know that a Montanez mopped it. He decided he was going to be, quote, the best janitor Frito-Lay had ever seen. And he quickly set out to make his presence known. Quote, every time someone walked into a room, it would smell fresh, he said. I realize there's no such thing as just a janitor when you believe you're going to be the best. He also developed a philosophy that it's not about who you know. It's about who knows you. Again, something very wise when you really think about it and absolutely true. In his downtime from his job as the janitor at the Frito-Lay plant, he decided he wanted to learn more about the company's business. He learned about the products that they made. He spent time in the warehouse and he spent a lot of time, I guess, watching the machines churn out those snacks often in the wee hours of the night or morning. Now, in the mid-1980s, Frito-Lay was having some uh, pretty tough times. Business was not going well, and the CEO at the time, his name was Roger Enrico, he wanted to boost the morale of the 300,000 employees that Frito-Lay had, so he sent out a video message to the employees. In the video message, Enrico encouraged every worker at the company to, quote, act like an owner. Most employees brush this off as just another management cliche. And I think we all have worked for companies where that's the case. You know, the manager just wants to 
make themselves look better or the CEO, whoever it is, whoever's in charge. They want to try to get everybody on a little bit of a rally, but they really don't expect anybody to do anything. It's all just empty words. But in this case, Mr. Montanez took those words to heart and he would later talk about this saying, quote, here's my invitation. Here's the CEO telling me, the janitor, that I can act like an owner. I didn't know what I was going to do, didn't need to, but I knew I was going to act like an owner. So there he was, the guy that had been mopping the floors for a decade, and he wants to figure out how he can help his company because they're struggling. And the CEO put out the call that everybody that works for this company should act like an owner and help us figure out how to write this ship. How can we take this company and make it successful? Mr. Montanez knew that he still needed some more information. So he asked one of the salesmen if he could tag along with them on his day off. The salesman said, sure. I mean, free labor he can help you move all these products at the time. When you would go stock grocery shelves, the salespeople would go and do that. You know, the systems have changed a little bit, but they ended up going to a convenience store in a Latino part of town. While the salesmen started stocking the shelves with all of the Frito-Lay products, Mr. Montanez looked at what was next to them on the shelf, and it just happened in this little grocery store or this little convenience store that what was next to all of the snack foods was a bunch of Mexican spices. And that's when he had a realization that would totally end up changing his life completely. He says, quote, I saw products on the shelves and they were all plain Lay's, Fritos, Ruffles. And then right next to all these chips happened to be a shelf of Mexican spices. It was at that moment that Mr. Montanez realized Frito-Lay had nothing that was spicy or hot in their repertoire of snack foods. A few weeks later, he stopped at a local vendor and he got some elote, which is a Mexican street corn doused in chili powder, salt, spices, lime juice, and with the cob of corn in his hand, he said a revelation struck him, which was, what if I basically did this to a Cheeto? What if I put these spices on a Cheeto? And he decided to try it out. Now, Cheetos were introduced way back in 1948, but at this point, they had still not gone beyond those basic flavors. Mr. Montanez said, quote, nobody had ever given any thought to the Latino market, but everywhere I looked, I saw it ready to explode. So he acted like an owner. He went to the plant, got some plain Cheetos, because you can do that, I guess, when you work at the plant. He got some Cheetos that were made, but before they had put anything on them, no flavoring on them. And he took these home and his wife and he worked on their spice blend until they thought that it was worthy of what they were trying to do. They shared them with family. They shared them with friends. And when everybody thought they were great, this is when it came time for Mr. Montanez to take that leap of faith. And I don't know if it was as much a leap of faith 
or just a little bit of ignorance in the way the whole system works as he talks about he really didn't know that there was anything that was wrong with just picking up the phone and calling the CEO of Frito-Lay. I was naive, Montez would later say. I didn't know you weren't supposed to call the CEO. I didn't know the rules. He said finding Roger Enrico's phone number was simple enough. They had a company directory. I mean, this was before the internet and email and everything like that. And when you were at these companies, there was a phone book. If you needed to call your manager, you needed to call whoever. All the information was right there. So he takes the company directory. He goes up to probably the first page and like, hey, CEO, this is the guy I want to talk to. And he decides to call. And the phone rings. And the CEO's executive assistant picks up the phone and says, Mr. Enrico's office, who is this? So he answers. This is Richard Montanez. What division are you with? California. So you're the vice president overseeing California? No, I work at the Rancho Cucamonga plant, Mr. Montanez tells him. Oh, so you're the vice president of operations? The assistant asks. No, I work inside the plant, Mr. Montanez tells him. You're the plant manager? The assistant asks. And Mr. Montanez says, No, I'm the janitor. The assistant says, one moment, and puts Mr. Montanez on hold for what he says. Seemed like an eternity at the time, but the next thing he heard on the line was a voice saying, hello, this is Roger. The CEO had taken the call. So Mr. Montanez told the CEO that he had heeded his call that he put out in the video message to all the employees telling them to act like an owner. He told the CEO that he had studied the company's products and that he has identified a demand in the market that the current offerings from Frito-Lay were just not covering. He told the CEO how he and his wife had even whipped up a batch of samples in their own kitchen. And the CEO responded quite positively to what he was hearing. He loved what he was hearing. And he told Mr. Montanez to prepare a presentation of his idea and to be ready in two weeks when the CEO and some other executives from Frito-Lay were going to travel to the plant in California where Mr. Montanez worked. Moments after he hangs up the phone, and he said he's flying at this point because the CEO reacted so positively, but then his plant manager storms up to him, yelling at him saying, who do you think you are? Who let the janitor call the CEO? Then he told him, you're doing the presentation. I don't know who else was going to do the presentation, but this was again a case of a company. We get it. We've all worked for companies where there's a chain of command and the plant manager was not very happy, I guess, that the janitor had called the CEO of the company and then he heard about it down the line. I mean, he would have maybe been happier if he would have been in the loop to begin with. I don't know. But the reality here was now here's the guy's boss yelling at him for calling up the CEO of Frito-Lay. But Mr. Montanez, who was 26 years old at this point, who could still read nor write very well, said he had no idea how to craft a business proposal, but he was going to act like an owner. 
He went to the library with his wife. They found a book on marketing and they copied the first five paragraphs word for word onto a transparency. And for those of you not old enough, a transparency is something you used to put on a machine that had a big light that would then put those words up on a screen that people could look at. Yeah, this was before PowerPoint kids. He and his wife then filled 100 baggies with their homemade treats. They sealed them all with clothing pins and they manually drew logos on each package and they got them ready for the presentation. On the day of the presentation, Mr. Montanez bought a $3 tie, had somebody else tie it for him because he couldn't do it. And as he was leaving the house for the presentation with his hundred baggies of snacks, his wife told him, don't forget who you are. Mr. Montanez recalls stepping into that boardroom. Here I was, he says, a janitor presenting to some of the most highly qualified executives in America. At one point during the presentation, an executive in the room asked him, how much market share do you think you can get? When recalling this situation, Mr. Montanez says it hit me that I had no idea what he was talking about or what I was doing. I was shaking and I damn near wanted to pass out. But I opened my arms and I said, this much market share. I didn't even know how ridiculous that looked. At that point, the room fell silent and the CEO stood up and smiled and said, Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize we have an opportunity to go after this much market share? He said as he stretched out his arms, just as Mr. Montanez did. He then turned to Mr. Montanez and said, Put that mop away. You're coming with us. Six months later, Frito-Lay started testing flaming hot Cheetos in small Latino markets in East L.A. If the whole thing performed well, the company would move forward with the product. But if it didn't, they would scratch it. And Mr. Montanez would most likely have returned to his janitorial duties. This was his one shot. And there were some folks who didn't want things to work out so well for him. He recalls that there was a group of the executives who pretty much wanted this project to fail. He later said on a podcast, The Passionate Few, quote, they thought I got lucky. They were paid big bucks to come up with these ideas. They didn't want some janitor to do it. So he took things into his own hands yet again and assembled a small team of friends and family members, and they went into these test markets and they bought every damn bag of hot Cheetos that they could find. They would tell the owner, man, these are great. And he said they would come back the week after and there'd be a whole new rack of them. In 1992, the Flaming Hot Cheetos were greenlit for a national release by Frito-Lay and in very short order, the snack became one of the most successful product launches in Frito-Lay history. I mean, I love Flaming Hot Cheetos. I can't eat them because they have MSG in them. So Mr. Martinez, if you're listening, get rid of the MSG in the Flaming Hot Cheetos. But even without my business, Flamin' Hot Cheetos are now one of Frito-Lay's most popular offerings. It's a multi-billion dollar snack. And Mr. Montanez, the guy that was just, you know, the janitor who had an idea, who was going to act like an owner, is now the vice president of multicultural sales at PepsiCo America, which is the you know main company 
that owns Frito-Lay now. Reports say that he has amassed a $20 million fortune in his work as an executive and as a product specialist, whatever you want to call him, a genius who decided he was going to start putting some really, really hot spices on the Cheetos, something nobody else had thought of. Again, the Cheetos were pretty plain before Mr. Montanez joined the executive team. At the time, Frito-Lay only had three Cheeto products. Since then, the company has launched more than 20, each worth about $300 million. Mr. Montanez has been recognized by Newsweek and Fortune magazine as one of the most influential Hispanic leaders in America. He's a gifted speaker who often tours the country giving keynotes. And his story is being made into a major motion picture. I mean, who knows what's going on now with COVID, but it seems like a good story. It seems like something that should be told. This is the American dream. It's going to be titled the movie, allegedly, Flame and Hot, which makes a lot of sense. But it's a story that I think should be told that you can start with next to nothing in the United States of America. And you can be a success. You can do anything you want because you have the ability to fail. Mr. Montanez still lives in Rancho Cucamonga, California, where he gives back to his community through a nonprofit that he launched and he teaches MBA classes at a nearby college. Recently, I guess a student asked him how he was teaching without a PhD, you know, like like Joe Biden has a PhD. And he responded with, I do have a PhD. I've been poor, hungry, and determined. And you know what? I'll take that anytime over a doctorate, anytime, because genius does not come from higher education. Genius, good ideas, and work ethic are not something you can really be taught. I think they have to be in your DNA. And I think a lot more people would take advantage of those things if they understood that you can go from the lowest of the lows to the highest of the highs. This is what a capitalist society allows for. A communist society, a socialist society means whatever you're born into, that's what you're going to keep. And I will never understand the people who would prefer that over the ability to make whatever you can out of your story, out of your life, out of your destiny. In his memoir, Mr. Montanez writes, don't take your position for granted, regardless of what that position may be. CEO or janitor, act like you own the company. Man, I can't tell you how much I love this Story. This epitomizes so many good things about this country, and we have not had a lot of good things going on here in 2020. And I want to thank the guy that posted about this story on Twitter. His name, which I will probably butcher, is Ankith Harathi, and you can follow him. It's at A-N-K-I-T-H-H-A-R-A-T-H-I at Twitter. Some good stuff on his account. Here on the Random Thoughts Podcast, we do have a couple of people to thank for supporting the show this week. First and foremost, our buddy Larry Blydner of That Larry Show, thatlarryshow.com. He is the epitome 
of storytellers. The guy has a great voice, a great delivery, and a really, really big heart. Good guy, which makes it even more of a reason to do this kind of a story for you here today on today's Random Thoughts, just to kind of echo some of the vibe you get over at that Larry show. I was doing my other podcast, Grumpy Old Ben's, that I do with Ryan Bemrose and D.E. Metis, who does a podcast called Fun Fact Friday. He joined us and he said he was also thinking of doing a solo podcast. And he said, well, I'm thinking of doing a solo show, but more that Larry show than Random Thoughts. And I immediately said, oh, so you mean good? And he said, no, no, just not as not as topical. Not as pulling things from the news as much, but, you know, doing more stories and more stuff like that. So, I mean, here we're just giving you a little bit more of that, that Larry show vibe. But Larry comes in with $50, which is way too much, as I mentioned over on the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast, because he sent in 50 bucks over there, too. If it wasn't for Larry, we wouldn't have random thoughts because I was doing another show with somebody else and I was waiting for them to get back to doing some podcasting. And he said, do the show Solomento in that voice that only Larry can do. Mr. Velvet Solomento do the show by yourself. And that's how we started doing random thoughts. And if it wasn't for that, I would have never gone to void zero. The guy over on the no agenda stream and said, Hey, can you put my show on the no agenda stream? And he said, go talk to that guy, Ryan Bemrose. And I'm like, who's that? And thus, Grumpy Old Ben's was also spawned and all these sorts of things. Either I want to thank or blame Larry. I'm not sure which one, but I'm pretty sure uh, it's thanking Larry. But he sent a little note along with his donation saying, Darren, if this were truly value for value, this number would have more zeros on it. Thanks for all the fantastic content, the encouragement and shout outs, the tech advice and being such a great friend. God bless and Merry Christmas. Yes, we still say Merry Christmas here on Random Thoughts. And thank you, Mr. Blydner. God bless you. God bless your family. Have a Merry Christmas out there in in California. I know that's harder than in some places, but I I think he has an exit strategy. And uh, so everybody sends some good vibes out to Larry and his exit strategy to get out of commie California before it's too late. And also make sure if you're not listening to that Larry show, I'm going to say it over and over again, that Larry show.com go check it out. It is one of the best podcasts being produced. My wife thinks he should be reading audiobooks nonstop. And it's probably because she listens to about an hour and a half of audiobooks every day. And I'm guessing that not all narrators Have the pipes that Mr. Velvet, Larry Blydner have. We also have another anonymous donation for today coming in at 25 bucks with a note saying they always look forward to the latest random thoughts and we know who you are and we appreciate everything. We appreciate you listening and for using the snail mail system. We have all sorts of different ways where you can get involved with this value for value model here on the Random Thoughts podcast. Just go over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Either click that button. If you want to donate through PayPal, you can do that as a one-time thing or a recurring monthly donation. You can go over to patreon.com slash random thoughts, and you can do it there if you want. Again, no extra content there. 
It's just another way if you're in that ecosystem and want to use that for the donation, you can do that. You can also use Bitcoin. We have a QR code. We have the wallet information on randomthoughts.com. You can get that there as well as our P.O. Box address. If you want to go the snail mail route, all of those are very much appreciated, as is everybody that is listening, giving us your time. We know there's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of things you can be doing with your time. The fact that you're listening to this podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Tell 14 or 15 friends. That would be helpful. But we want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. No matter what you're doing, it's going to be a weird one here. We're probably going to be doing a live show, it seems, with uh, the Grumpy Old Ben's folks and some other people on the No Agenda stream because it's going to be a stay-at-home kind of Christmas this year. But that's all right. We'll come out of this better, stronger, and no matter what, doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, you can still have the Christmas spirit. And I certainly wish the best for you and yours. So until next week, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 